Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. All right. I'm, I'm, I feel amped up. Yeah, I feel uh, – I'm getting a real charge on today's – let's not do this. Okay. We've done it so many other times before. Let's just start off with a little a listener mail. This listener mail comes from Eric who says, Hey, guys, I really enjoy the podcast and was wondering if you had ever thought about talking about smart meters. Right now in Dallas, it is all over the news about how some people are getting ripped off by these meters. How do they differ from the old-fashioned analog power meter, or as I lovingly think of them, the spinny power meters? They seem easier to read, and they talk back to the power company with no need for a meter reader. With modern-day technology, how can this be a bad thing? I would love to hear about this either on the blog or a podcast in the near future. Thanks, Eric. Well, Eric, we thought we'd talk a bit about smart meters and the smart grid. Yes, indeed. Because as it turns out right now, our power grid in the United States is pretty stupid. (laughs) Well, you know, it is 
inanimate and all that. But right. uh, what we're talking about when we talk about the smart grid is um, a very centralized system of electricity. Now, of course, most of the country is uh, wired into a very um, – how should I put this? Um, no, no. Overburdened – Power grid. Overburdened is putting it delicately. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the power grid right now, if, if, the way the power, power generation and transmission works is you've got power generators throughout the United States. Um, uh, about 9,200 electric generating units. And those are producing more than a million megawatts and it's, and they have more than 300,000 miles of transmission lines. Yes, uh, Jonathan is quoting some statistics from the United States Department of Energy. Yes, so apparently you read the same, the same, uh, 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 Guidebook. Yes, there's a really uh, – I really like that guidebook actually. It's very easy to understand. Yeah. Um, and it's crammed full of some real, eye, really eye-opening statistics. Um, little things like since, uh, since 1982, peak demand growth has exceeded transmission growth by nearly 25% per year. So what that means is that the demand for energy is growing at a much faster rate than the rate that we're – uh, adding capacity yep. in the in the in the in transmission lines. Now that does not mean that demand exceeds capacity yet. It just means that the growth is completely out of whack. Yeah, and the thing is, with the current grid the way it is, and the reason why you should be concerned about this is um, everything is wired into the few uh, centralized power generating facilities. Right. So the problem is once something goes down, it takes down a lot of the grid with it. We've, we've seen that happen several times yeah. in the past few years it's in different parts of the country. Effect. Um, because what you, what you've got like a, a, when you think about it, you've got a power generator that is sending power to essentially a distribution center, which then sends it out to all the consumers. And by consumers, we mean people who are, you know, your house, your job, uh, all the places you go to. Those are all the consumers for the power companies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you have a power generator go down, then that affects everyone further down that chain. Now, the the real problem with the power grid as it stands now is it's not terribly flexible and it's not intelligent in the sense that it can't detect a problem on its own. Nope. If something if something goes wrong. People have to notice it and report it in order for the power companies to react. Now, granted, if it's a power generator that goes down, you can pretty much bet the power company knows about it because there are going to be people at that facility screaming and panicking. Yes. Or or at least making very frantic phone calls to other power generators to try and do a load balance so that consumers are not without power for too long while they try and get the, uh, the generator back up online. Yes, but uh, we're pretty reliant on electricity at this point. I, I don't think that kind of thing goes uh, <clears throat> un, unnoticed for very long. Right. But if let's say that there is a major power outage in part of your town due to um, a tree falling across some power lines, uh, the power company does not know that you are no longer receiving power at that point. They, they can't tell. Mm-hmm. Because there's no feedback system there uh, with the basic power grid structure. A smart grid would have a uh, a feedback system where every single consumer would have a smart meter um, that not only was easier to read and could tell you how much you were consuming at any particular time, but would send this information directly back to the power company. Because, because right now, the power companies have to, for, for the most of the country anyway, the power companies have to rely on the old method of sending a meter reader out to your house to actually physically walk up to the meter 
read what it says, write it down, and then go back to the power company. Yeah, those are the spinny power meters that Eric was referring to. Right, yeah. They, they're reading what it says on there and then making note of it, and that's what your bill is based off of, these these uh, regular meter reads. Mm-hmm. But it, with a smart meter, it's constantly feeding that information back to the company. Um, now, I did look into the controversy they talked about, the Dallas controversy. Oh, yes. This is what the company called Encore. Right. And in this case, what's happening is that the consumers in Dallas are claiming that their, uh, their electricity bills are higher than they should be and that they suspect that these new smart meters that have just recently been installed in their homes are in fact, uh, giving incorrect readings. They're not, they're not calibrated properly. And that if they had been using the old meters, their bill would have been lower because either the old meters were more accurate or something along those lines. Now, the power company's response is that they want to run tests to make sure that the the meters are, in fact, uh, not reading as they should be. But the other factor in this equation is that Dallas had a particularly cold winter. And as as a result, a lot of people are using more electricity in order to heat their homes. So it may be that the bills were higher, not because the meter was incorrect, but because they legitimately used more electricity. Well, obviously, a lot of people are concerned about it because uh, from what I've read, only generally what happens is only about 400 tests to check out uh, what are considered poorly functioning meters uh, happen in uh, – in every, you know, a given month, you know, right. they'll have to, Encore will have to send somebody out to check on a meter based on a person's complaint. And, uh, but in January and February of, of 2010, uh, the months immediately preceding the one in which we are recording this podcast, uh, it spiked to 4,000 per month. So it is, you know, now at a thousand or what? No, I mean, yeah, a thousand percent. And um, it got to the point where, uh, the, the, the city government, Actually stated that, uh, that they would no longer, they would waive the $25 fee that it usually takes to have, to send someone out and, and run a test on the meter because so many people had complained they want to seem responsive. So, uh, so that, that fee has been waived from this point on. And anyone who had, uh, someone come out and test the meter recently is actually do a refund if yeah. they did pay that $25 fee. Well, normally they get one free reading from Encore, but the uh, yeah, it's Dallas like every public, couple of years, though, right? Uh, uh, every oh, hold on, um, every four years they get yeah. one free test. Yeah. Uh, but the Dallas Public Utility Commission told Encore it had to waive the fee or refund the fee um, the, based on whether or not people were having continued problems. Because say uh, say you had just had a complaint about your power meter, they sent somebody out there. That's your free visit, uh, but say the new meter doesn't seem to be functioning any better and you have somebody else come out and test it, well, they're saying that, you know, based on the what's going on right now, they want to waive the $25 fee because they want to make sure that the smart meters are working correctly and they're responding to complaints. So it's uh, it's because people are complaining over and over again that the smart meters are not doing what they're supposed to do. Right. Now, whether the smart meters are actually malfunctioning, that's a totally different matter. That's true. Uh, it may just be, like we said, that people are using more electricity than they realize and that it's just that the the power company has an accurate measure on it. We just don't know the whole story hmm. yet. But I, I have uh, a theory. <clears throat> what's that? To um, that that's just a theory. It's not based on anything other than just what came to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if human error factors into it. Also, people who like come out reader. to read the meter and they read it, uh, you know, one way, and then suddenly. 
the smart meter is reading it at an accurate level and they're going, wait a minute. Uh, well, or I, I, maybe they report differently too. I wondered that. It could even be that, that power companies only send meter readers out on uh, a pretty rare basis and that they estimate how much a monthly fee is based upon your previous usage. Which means, and which they can adjust whenever they do a future reading. Like they'll, they may do one reading every three months instead yeah. of every month. Yeah. And then, so in the months in, in between readings, they'll make an estimate. And then, uh, if the estimate was too high, then when the meter reader reads the, the, the meter and it's, it's lower than they had projected, they, they actually, can adjust the bill lower yeah. to, to, uh, factor that in or vice versa if the people use more energy than was projected. Um, the, the, the oh. Smart meters, though, I wanted to talk about why they are, uh, in generally, why they're kind of a cool idea. Well, of course, it's easy to say it's nice that they don't have to send somebody out to your house every time uh, they need to do a, a checkup and see how much electricity you used. Um, but uh, one of the things that, that I think is really cool about that, too, is that it gives uh, the customer some insight into exactly how much electricity they're using, which is not the case with these spinny power meters. Right. Yeah. Um, most of us have no idea how much electricity we are using at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't I mean, we, we happen to know that if we're running a lot of stuff, like if the air conditioning's going on full blast and we've got the dishwasher going and the, the dryer out in you know the, the laundry room is going at the same time, we know we're, we're consuming a lot of power, but but we don't have any way of quantifying that. It just we just know, but we don't know like details. So it's really kind of meaningless. Yeah, and actually, um, a couple companies that we talk about quite a lot have uh, created initiatives to help people take advantage of that, like Microsoft with its home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just you know saw the name again. When I saw the name, it triggered the fact that it's a pun. H O H M. Oh. Um, Ohm, Ohm on the Ohm. range. I, I knew it had to have been something yeah. like that. But, uh, and the, uh, and Google Power Meter, which actually you can sign up for the service and, uh, keep track of what's going on with your house. Of course, it also, um, probably will enable them to sell ads to you. I don't know. Right. And <laughs> it's their normal operation. And you might be surprised to find out how much electricity you're consuming, but as we get more sophisticated with our technology, the technology also tends to to consume more electricity. Now, things like Energy Star appliances and, and devices, those consume less electricity than their counterparts, but they, they're still pretty power hungry. So if you've got things like a, you know, a lot of like televisions, computers, video game consoles, air conditioner, appliances, Clothes dryer. Clothes dryer, which yeah. Which there are no Energy Cer- Star certified clothes dryers. Right, except for, except for the um, – Clothesline? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Go hanging out you, in the backyard. You, I, I'm so glad you jumped in there because my brain blanked out of it. The thing where you the thing with put the, rope. the stuff and the pins and I don't know because I don't dry my clothes that way. I just wear them wet. Uh, they, um, no, the, the, that's, not, that's not entirely true. Now, the, uh, so the other – Aspect of the smart meters, of course. So yeah, you know how much electricity you are, are using at any given time. Now, why is that important? Well, it's because electricity does not always cost the same amount, uh, throughout the day. That's right. And it depends on, on the time of year too, because, yes. uh, peak usage times, uh, fluctuate based on a lot of different factors. And, and the reason that peak usage rates go up from what I understand is because, uh, sometimes when you have, your local grid and the peak usage goes over what the, the peak, 
uh, or peak generation ability is of the local station, then they're going to have to import energy from someone else. And that right. costs more. So they're going to have to charge you more to cover that cost. Right. So uh, you want to keep your peak usage down. And so uh, having the ability to learn from your smart meter and, and what your household energy usage is will give you an idea of what the best time to, you know, wash and dry clothes is, for example. Right. You might notice that when you look at the meter, like a good meter would have a a readout that you could easily see as a consumer and that you could easily interpret. So not only would you know how much energy you were consuming, but you would know the price of that energy at that time. Mm -hmm. And power companies usually release the price of what the power is going to be for the, the following day. So you can see uh, the day before what the what it's going to fall out, and then uh, as far as the price uh, variation goes, and you can plan your day accordingly. Mm-hmm. And so, if you see that at 9 p.m. the price hits a nice low, then you know, well, that's when I'm going to run the the washing machine or the dryer or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then at, at, if it's really really high at 2 p.m., you might think, well, I'm going to try and avoid running as much as I can. Uh, now, the peak times throughout the year tend to be things like the deep winter and the height of summer because that's usually when we're either running the heat at full blast or the air conditioner at full blast, um, and those are very power-hungry applications. So, with again, with the smart meter, you can keep an eye on how much you're using and when is the best time to use it. Um, there's one other element of smart meters that is very important and, and smart grid as well, mm-hmm. which is that – it reports back, as we said, to the power company. Well, it doesn't just report back that, you know, how much energy you're using. If that connection is somehow damaged, like, like our, inst- uh, our example of a tree falling on some power lines, the power company will see that the service is interrupted. They don't have to wait for a phone call. Uh, they'll see that the connection no longer works and they can either try and route power around that problem so that the consumers are only affected for a brief period. Or if that's not possible, they can just immediately send out an engineer to go and fix the uh, the, the the break in the power line mm-hmm. uh, without having to wait first for a phone call to alert them to the issue, which is one of the most important parts about the smart grid. Uh, it it's much it, information travels much faster because it's it's more of a uh, an aware system in a way instead of it just being you know you're sending the power out and that's and you have to wait to hear anything. There's a constant two-way communication going on. Mm-hmm. Another uh, advantage of having a smart meter is if you are generating power on your own, say if you have some solar panels attached to your home. Right, or and- if you've uh, attached your Jack Russell Terriers to a power-generating treadmill. I don't even want to know. I can power three neighborhoods. <sighs> well, I imagine so with Jack Russells. Yes. Uh, but um, – Anyhow, yes, if you are generating power in some fashion and adding back to the grid, then the smart meter will uh, be able to convey that information back as well. So uh, you will, in, in, in most circumstances, as far as I know, the energy company will pay you. Yeah, yeah. if you if are you, somehow uh, able to actually generate use. more power than you use, you can essentially sell that money back to the grid. Sell the energy back to the grid. Uh, so, yes. yes, thank you. No, no, no. No, you wouldn't sell the money. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> I'll give you five bucks for that $10 bill. Uh, Pat, you got a deal. Um, Clearly, this exa- shows why I'm not a millionaire. Um, <laughs> but you can also, you, and depending on the, on the kind of meter you're running, it also may be able to measure, uh, natural gas or water usage as well. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's sort of, 
uh, smart grid useful because um, in some cases, since the smart grid is decentralized rather than centralized like the current grid, um, then, you know, there might be something in your neighborhood like a uh, a small hydroelectric plant or, a, you know, you know, wind energy or a hybrid device. vehicle that could actually act as a tiny generator. I'm not joking either. Okay. You can right. sell extra energy back. Um, th- this, this leads me to one other or two, actually two other points. One of which okay. is when you're talking about decentralization, that's an important aspect of security as well. Uh, with a centralized power system, it also means that besides the fact that you have, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a weak power system, it means that you also have a very tempting target. Oh, yes. It means that uh, a terrorist, for example, might target a power uh, generator, be knowing that that's going to affect a very wide area. And of course, losing your power means that you also lose the ability to communicate in large part, and that can make things even worse. You know, it just causes more panic, which, as we all know, terrorism, that's kind of the point. Yep. Um, so decentralizing your power generation means that you have, you, you create, you create the, uh, the opportunity to, well, Create the opportunity is a bad way of putting it. You eliminate targets because now even if you were to somehow take out one target because you've decentralized, the rest of the system can try and pick up the uh, the slack until it can be fixed. So it makes it makes those kind of attacks less effective. Uh, we are not anywhere close to having a smart grid right now. No, and if you think about it, it's a really daunting task to put into place because um, – not only does it require rolling out a massive amount of infrastructure upgrades, but uh, you have to do it while the power's still on. Yes, exactly. You have because to. You people have to don't up- want their power to go out. Right. Yeah. It, unlike, let's say, if you wanted to upgrade a normal piece of technology, you could t- take it offline and work on it, fix it, test it. If it works well, then you can try and run it through a trial period, and if that's going, then you're back up and running. You can't do that with the power grid because people still need power. You're going to have to keep the power grid running even as you are upgrading it. Uh, it's a huge challenge. Yes. And, um, and, and it's way more than just the smart meters. Smart meters are kind of like, that might be the, the gateway mm-hmm. into the, the whole smart grid system. But that's just giving a kind of a feedback loop between the power grid and the consumer. There's going to be a lot more that needs to come into play, uh, before we can really call it a smart grid. One of the one of the uh, uh, projects that's involved with the Department of Energy and the whole smart grid initiative is the visualizing energy resources dynamically on Earth, or Verde system, and that's at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Laboratory. Yes, I decided to go with that that pronunciation. Mm. Uh, I'm sure they have aluminium in the laboratory, <laughs> but. Uh, what? I'm sure they have uranium in the laboratory. <laughs> well, the Verde system, uh, is, or at least they used to. The Verde system is is it relies on things like sen- it's or it will rely on things like uh, sensors across the power grid. Um, it'll take into account weather information. It'll model the grid based upon past demand. Um, it'll kind of be like a big picture, real time glimpse at what's going on with the entire power grid uh, at any given time. And that's very useful for things like load balancing, like we mentioned. There might be one region that is under a particular um, strain needing a lot of power. Well, with this system, you would be able to see it uh, in advance and be able to make adjustments quickly 
uh, without it being an emergency status. Because right now, when that stuff happens, you generally have a lot of people in power stations working feverishly to head off any kind of power outage or at least to, to minimize it as much as they can. Um, and it's it's really due to these people who are, are working really, really hard to keep our power going that we don't have bigger outages than we've seen before. It's, you know, it's not that our, our system is particularly robust. It's that we've got some engineers who are bending over backwards to make sure the lights stay on. Yep. And, um, it's just one of those things where we're, it's, it's takes so much work to, to get it in place. It's, it's going to be a slow process to get going, but right, right. I mean, for just for the advanced, uh, metering infrastructure, I just wanted to use that. Term, yes. Um, which is, the rollout of the smart meters. Uh, this may sound like a brand new idea, but it's not. No. It's been, they've been installing these in some places for years, 2003, 2004, 2005. I've seen, you know, people saying that they were working on the meters here, uh, in Georgia. They've been working on it for a number of years and are just starting to, uh, to bring them online this year. So, um, yeah, I got one just kinda, recently. Yeah. It's, it, it, it takes a while to do all this stuff. And I can't imagine how the bigger stuff, uh, the neighborhood power generator type equipment is how, you know, where they're going to put it and all the public outcry of, I don't want that thing in my backyard. It's, right. it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of time. There's that. And just like we saw in Dallas, there's going to be that natural uh, uh, distrust that people have of new systems whenever something new is put in, um, you know, and, and it may be that, that in general, it, and electricity becomes more expensive. I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to become more expensive anyway, just because oh, sure. we're consuming resources Absolutely. and the resources become more scarce over time. But, uh, it may mean that the electricity becomes a little more expensive, but because of the nature of the smart meters, you're able to, to mitigate that to some extent by, by just running your, your electronics at the, uh, opportune times. And here's another interesting thing is if we do that enough, if enough people follow that kind of method, Eventually, you're actually going to see the whole peak and trough thing level out a little bit. It, it'll probably never truly become like a straight line so that electricity costs the same amount no matter what time of day you use it. Um, you know, that would happen if everyone were balancing out the load so that, you know, there was an equal number of people running stuff at any particular time of day. You probably never really see that, mainly because there are going to be certain times of day that are going to be the hottest or the coldest that's going to require a lot of electricity used. And plus, most of us aren't doing laundry at, you know, 2 a.m. Nope. That's my waffle eating time. <laughs> I eat my waffles at 2 a.m. Okay, then. Good mm-hmm. to know. I, I, I will be sure not to phone you in the middle of your waffling. We can blame uh, Rachel for putting the thought of waffles into my head because she mentioned the the uh the glorious location known as Waffle House. Ah yes. Where where you can get your your beloved hash brown scattered covered and smothered. <laughs> okay then. Are we are we uh done talking about Jonathan? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I went to where there's pie and waffles. <laughs> are we done talking about smart, the smart grid? Yeah, I think so. I okay. I, I was done about 10 minutes ago to tell you the truth. I was just kind of vamping. Um well, tell you what, let's, uh, let's move on to a little more, oh, listener mail. This listener mail comes from Jeff from Chicago, and he says, Hi, my name is Jeff from Chicago. Although a lot of people said they are from Chicago because not many people would know where Lincolnwood is. 
I'm a long-time listener, and I recently listened to the roller coaster episode. Upon hearing catapult launcher coaster, I would think of the massive catapult launcher of the aircraft carrier. Have you guys ever wanted to hook up a cart to the aircraft catapult, sit and hold tight? It would be fun. Or sit in the aircraft that's being uh, launched. And the topic that I want you guys to cover is the history, how it works, and the future of it. Uh, I think the electromagnetic launcher is possible to launch an aircraft like the roller coasters launch the train car. Thanks a lot. Well, of course, we're not going to be able to, to cover the whole uh, catapult launch system of aircraft carriers right now. But that does sound like a good uh, podcast in the future. I, I just wanted to say, though, Jeff, um, no, I have never had the desire to hook up a cart to the aircraft launch system on an aircraft carrier because I'm not crazy. <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to be launched directly into the Atlantic or possibly in the back of a jet. Uh, none of those things sound particularly appealing to me. What about the Pacific? Um, no, not the Pacific either. I, you Red know, sea? uh, I, you know, I can't think of any major body of water I want to be Arctic Ocean? pushed into at that velocity. Oh, all right. Um, especially in a cart. I mean, I just think of sitting in a shopping cart. Yeah, that's what I was. And then screaming and crying until I die, which would be mercifully very shortly after the launch. (laughs) But Jeff, uh, hey, you know what? You crazy guy. Uh, nice question. And, um, as for uh, being in an aircraft on that, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. If there's a, if there's a plane around me, sure, then I'll do it. Does it have to be on? (laughs) <laughs> Preferably with someone who really knows what they're doing in the cockpit. Yes. Okay, okay. All of those things have to be there. All right. Um, but no, I'm not going to do it in a cart. In a jet, sure. Thanks for the email. If any of you wish to email us with bizarre requests or find out exactly how crazy we are, you can do so. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Check out our blogs. You can see those at blogs.howstuffworks.com. We, of course, have articles about power grids and electricity at howstuffworks.com. We don't have Tech Stuff Live anymore because we're on hiatus, which is nice. That means our Tuesdays are opening up again. But um, we're going to come back with something else as soon as the studio is done being demolished. And, uh, well, that wraps this episode up. We will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 